I hope you guys are already sensing the power of the gospel this morning. How we declared it through song, how we heard it through the word of God. And my prayer is that God will continue to reveal that power to us as I speak. Good morning, church. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. We are continuing our series on making disciples. Oh, oh, turning the world upside down. Can you get my clicker? Sorry. Before we turn the world upside down, I need my clicker. All right. All right. Yeah, we continue our series on turning the world upside down. So, so today we'll be looking at how we as the church will be able to turn the world upside down, how you as the church will be able to turn the world upside down by making disciples. So today's sermon is titled, Making Disciples in Difficult Times. Church, I want to encourage you that you guys are already doing what I'm preaching. You guys are already making disciples. I want to encourage you that my, my life is a result of you making disciples. My life is a demonstration of you guys doing the hard work of discipleship, disciple making. Many of you have poured into my life. Many of you have poured into my family's life. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to grow right before your eyes. Many of you remember when I was baptized. Many of you remember me being trained and taught. Many of you have been doing the training and teaching in ways that you probably don't even realize. Church, you have played a huge impact on my life. I want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be up here to teach and to preach and to use the gift that God has given to me. And also, you guys not only shared the gospel, but you guys shared your very own lives, your very own souls. And I want to challenge you to let's keep doing this. Let's keep going. The work is not done. To go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them how to, teaching them the commands of Jesus, all that he has commanded us. This is how we turn the world upside down. By knowing that he is with us, even to the end of the age. Point number one. Don't let difficult times. Don't let difficult times stop you from boldly making disciples. So right in our text in First Thessalonians, Paul is on his second missionary journey. He's with Timothy and Silas. He writes this letter to the church. To, to the church of Thessalonica to encourage them during difficult times, during times of persecution, during times of where there's people coming in and teaching false theology, false teaching. So if you take a look at, at, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul starts off by saying to the Thessalonian church, for you know yourself, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. It was not in vain. It was not purposeless. It was not aimless. 
But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully, shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of conflict. So in order to understand what Paul's saying here, we have to go back to chapter 1. Go, go back to chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. He says, For you know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for, for your sake? So, the, so what Paul is saying is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is both word and power. The story of Jesus Christ is, is not just words. It's not just words to be heard. It's not just historical facts. It's not just objective truths. It doesn't just speak to us on an intellectual level. It is a very power for life. It is the very power to motivate us, to transform us, to change us. That's why Paul can say in Romans 1.16, he says, well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the very power of God unto salvation to all who believe, first Jew and also to Gentile. See, Paul came to the city of Thessalonica on his first mission, second missionary journey that he entered the local synagogue and preached the gospel of Christ. See, this is found in Acts chapter 17. Many of the Jews received salvation. They received new life. And many other Jews, they were, they were jealous. They were, they, were, they were ready to attack the new Christians and Paul. So Paul fleed out of the city. They accused Paul and the new believers of, guess what, from turning the world upside down. Why did they turn the world upside down? You see, these Jews, they didn't just hate the message. They didn't hate the words of the message. They hated the power of the message. See, this message had the power to bring forth new life to bring forth a way that we can turn away from our idols. And they, have, they were witnessing that these, these Christians were new creations. And it sickened them that people were turning away from their idols to worship the one true God. Believing that the gospel is not just a message of mere words to be spoken, but it's the very power of God for salvation, which you can receive through faith. You see, this opens up the door to receive the very power of God. And this is, and this is why Paul, trusting in this power that allowed him to boldly proclaim this message, boldly reclaim the, the power of God, the life of God, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of uncertainty of life. Church, we are experiencing some hard times, aren't we? This has been a rough year, right? We are in the midst of a pandemic. I'm preaching in front of a camera and preaching in front of people with masks. There have been political division. There's been strife. There have been racial tension. There's been injustices that have been heartbreaking, police brutality. There has been people losing their jobs, economic trials. And even just watching that explosion in Lebanon this week. All of these things are heartbreaking. 
There's nothing more essential than the very work of making disciples. There's nothing more essential than sharing the very power of God to a dying world. That for a lost world, there's a need of hope. There's a need of peace. See, church, you are the front line workers, the essential workers of the Great Commission. Picture this. Picture this. Someone in your family is sick, right? And they're gasping for breath. And you, you get them in a the car and you rush to the hospital to only see the doctors and the nurses packing up, getting in their cars, and going home. You, and, and, and there's chains around the hospital doors. The hospital is completely abandoned. And it's devastating, right? May it not be for us at the church during these hard times, during this pandemic. We are the essential workers. May people, may people see where people that are hungry and hurting and desperate and hopeless, may they find the church being the hands and feet of God. May we, I love EMTs and paramedics because they, they show up in the scene, they have their gloves, and now in the times that we live in, they have their masks, and they get right to work, right? They have their PPE, that's called uh, protective, personal protective equipment, right? And, and they go right to work, right? It's, it's the work of the, great, the Good Samaritan. During this time, may we be found, may we be able to share the light and the hope of Jesus Christ. Not only in the gospel, but our very own lives as well. Yes, our work may look different, but it has not stopped. It must not stop. Christian, you have to trust in the Spirit's leading and God's sovereign plan over every circumstance of your life. That he's in control. That he cares about you. He's for you. We have to believe that the gospel is the greatest power on the planet. And that God's mission will continue to advance not in spite of these challenges, but because of them. See, in a lot of ways, God has pumped the brakes on our lives, hasn't he? Let me ask you, how have you been utilizing your time? So many of us in the past have been using the excuse of not having time. I have soccer practice. I have dance recital. I have all these things going on, right? I'm too busy to make disciples. I'm too busy to disciple my children. I'm too busy. I can't find time to, to sit down and pray with my wife. Are you doing so much complaining during these times that you want to get back to normal? That you're losing sight of the very opportunity that's right in front of us? Hear me out. Lamenting is healthy and it's normal. Yes, we should weep over the times that we're on. Yes, this is not easy for us. Lamenting is healthy and normal, but if we stay there without seeing this as an opportunity for God to use us to further his kingdom, we're missing out. And the Great Commission in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, let's, let's make cookies for our neighbors. Let's write them a letter tell them, and, and, and talk to them and see how they're doing. Let's be the frontline workers. God, I pray that you open our eyes to allow us to see the opportunities that are right in front of us. 
We are living in a time where we have to embrace our creativity, don't we? Christian, don't use this pandemic become an excuse. Don't let these hard times become an excuse for you to not make disciples. Praise God for our pastors who are working diligently to figure out ways to get the word out and doing it safely. We thank God for them. I pray that God continue to give them wisdom and continue to give us wisdom as individuals, as families, to take the Great Commission to our community, believing that it's the very power of God. Lesson. The power of the gospel enables us to boldly make disciples. Right? It's not just mere words. It's the very power of God. He has, he has indwelled us with his spirit so that we can go. He, 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 has, he has given us everything that we need to be able to boldly proclaim it even during these hard times, even during this suffering. Point number two, make, make disciples for the glory of God and him alone. So you take a look at, at verse five and six. Paul Paul deliberately avoiding behavior or actions that might cause people to doubt or suspect the integrity of the gospel message that he declared. Check out what he says. He says, for we never came with words of flattery, as you know, not with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, that we could have made demands of apostles of Christ. You see, Paul, Timothy and Silas were not men pleasers. They, were, they weren't out to tickle people's ears. They weren't out to promote their own self-glory. They weren't seeking to, to butter people up to gain a listening ear. They weren't out to promote their own financial, financial gain. They wasn't looking for fame or praise. They wasn't looking out for their own interests, their own benefit. See, Paul also refused to throw his weight around as an apostle. He wasn't pretending to serve with the reality of pretending uh, to wishing to be served by others. You see, God knew the heart of these men, and Paul understood that he wanted to please God, to bring him glory and honor. So why, so why do we make disciples? Why go? Maybe you're thinking, uh, because we have to. You know, God commanded it, obviously, right? So we have to walk in obedience. But why do you obey? Why do you obey? Is it to get God off your back? Is it to show off? To show everyone how great of a Christian you are? Look at me, I'm, I'm making disciples. Is it attain a reward? Is it attain praise from man? See, Christian, let me remind you that your father, your master, is God. And he has given you neighbors to serve for his sake. He has given you a family to serve for his sake. He's given you co-workers to serve for his sake. See, when we serve for their approval, we have elevated them as our masters of our lives and have forgotten our true identity as children of God and as servants of God. They, they, they weren't created to bear the weight of giving us worth and glory. Only God. See, our problem is not that we seek reward, but that we expect it to come from the wrong people. See, we also expect it to be something other than Jesus Christ himself. 
You see, God is a sharer. That's just who he is. See, God is a trinity. We just sung about it. Praise the Father three in one. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And within himself, he has everything that he needs. He has perfect love. He has all glory and honor and praise. He has everything within himself. And out of himself, he freely shared with us. He shared with us the greatest gift of all, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. He gave up the glory of heaven to come down to us, became the servant of men by saving you from your sins. He was despised and rejected by many, by those he came to serve. And he died for all that all who, may, who, who live may no longer live for themselves. But for him, for their sake, die and was raised. See, we serve a resurrected God, a resurrected Savior. Lesson, trust that in Christ, you have everything you need to no longer live for yourself, but for others. In Christ, you have everything you need. You have love. You have acceptance. You have peace. You have hope. You have purpose. And don't forget the power. You have the very power of God to go and serve others, to no longer live for yourself, but for others. Point number three, disciple-making disciple making involves both intimacy and impact. Both intimacy and impact. You take a look at verse seven. He says, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own. Now, now Paul is giving us these positive reminders of the way they actually were within the church of Thessalonians. Paul says, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Instead of using their authority as a means to seek glory or to seek worth, to demand glory, they use it as an opportunity to learn from the Thessalonians, to be gentle among them, like children, not to lord over them, but to serve them. Then take a look at verse 11 and 12. He says, for you know how, like a father with children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who called you into his own kingdom and glory. See, Paul used both masculine and feminine imagery to describe his care for the church. Paul is letting us, letting us in into his heart. He said, I care for you like a mother. He's, he's showing us what it means to image God, to have both intimacy and impact. See, we image, we image God, we image a trinity, a God that is a community that lives face to face with each other. God is relational. See, our God is, is, is love. He's intimate. See, we were created in his image. God created the world, then he created us. And that's what he told us. He told us to work it and to keep it. To protect it. Impact. Purpose. See, disciple making involves both intimacy, love, Communion, community, and impact. We had to roll up our sleeves and, and, and get to work. And, take, and, and this is what motivated him. Take a look at verse 8. Paul tells us why he cared for the church. He says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very own selves. Because you have become very dear to us. You've become very dear to us. 
See, Paul's love was so strong that he freely chose to share with them not only the gospel, not only the power of God, but his very own soul, his very own self. See, Christian, we are called to share the gospel and we go beyond our duties to share our very own lives, our very own soul. See, parents have a unique responsibility, a unique duty. See, parents in here, you have a 24-7 responsibility. You don't punch out. Parents don't punch out. They go beyond their duties to cherish their children. See, many parents can testify this, that our homes are, are, are like a stage where our children are studying our lives. They're studying us. At a young age, they want to imitate us. And as they get a little bit older, they want to evaluate us. See, parenting exposes your very own soul, doesn't it? It exposes you. And our children let us know. And it's where we, we can constantly share our need for our risen Savior. They see it. They see our sin. They see our faults. And it's an opportunity for, for us to share the gospel. It's to share them that you, I'm in need of grace just as much as you are. God is not finished with me yet. He who created this great work is going to complete it. Parents, let's, let's, be, let's be humble enough to be able to share with our children our faults, and not only our faults, but to share with them our hope that is in Jesus Christ, our need for grace, our alliance upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, parenting is both um, intimate and impactful. Where you're just not doing your duties, but you're going beyond, above and beyond your duties to care for those that are dear to you. May it be for you as well, Christian. May you go beyond your responsibility, your duties, to share not only the gospel of God, but your very own soul. See, Paul uses this very intimate language in verse 8, but that is not found anywhere else in the Bible. Such deep affection that was perhaps unexpected, but most certainly welcomed. May we see this as a strategy for us to go and make disciples, a parent-like discipleship, by making deep personal friendships. See, a friend is someone who knows your soul, right? Doesn't just know a little bit about you, but know your inner being, right? Building trust with someone where you're able to share your struggles, where you're able to share your sin, your suffering, where you can share the deepest parts of who you are. Being around people where you're able to be honest about your need for grace. Where you're able to approach other people's sins with patience rather than frustration or anger. See, Paul says he was delighted to share with them. He was happy to give his life away. Paul loved these new Christians. Not just for what they were, but for what God would make of them. You see, God is conforming us into the image of his dear son. Oh, aren't we looking forward to that? that? That this process that is slow and steady, that God is conforming us into the very image of Jesus Christ, and he uses us as tools to accomplish that? You see, at the very core of Christianity, it's about being a giver. It's about being a sharer. The Holy Spirit inside of us makes us sharers. You see, God has shared all that he has with us. Christ has shared all that he has with us. And we have to approach discipleship with the same mind mindset. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying to yourself, yeah, I can share the gospel. Yeah, I can share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's easy for me. 
But you're talking about my soul? You're talking about my life? That's hard for me. I can't do that. I can't share my own heart. I can't share my own life experience, my own sin, my own struggles. I don't want people to look down on me. Maybe you can answer every Bible question in your small group. But when it comes down to you sharing your struggles, you're silent. Maybe you, maybe you can read the Bible for hours on end. But when it's time for you to spend time with someone else, it's not happening. And maybe it's the other way around for you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can share your soul. Maybe you can share your life. Maybe you can share your struggles and your sin. But when it comes down to pointing people back to Jesus, it's hard. But you, you have a hard time pointing people to the cross, to Jesus' finished work. Maybe you're the Christian that's always kind and loving and ready to share and, and write notes of encouragement. But when it comes down to you to explain to, to explain to someone why God is good, it's hard for you. You'd never be able to tell them the good news about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. See, Christian, having the Holy Spirit inside of you and it, it, having the presence of Jesus not only with you but inside of you, it, 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 it empowers you, it equips you in it to do both. To share not only the gospel, but your very own soul, your very own life. We must share both. You see, none of this is easy. None of it is easy. We can ask Paul. We can ask any parent in here. But in Christ, we have a new identity. A new hope. A new life. A new, a new security. You see, Christ's life inside of us is here to stay forever. And it gives us the boldness we need to share the gospel and our souls as well. Without fear, even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of hard times. You see, take a look at verse 12. Paul was concerned for them like a father. He dealt with them like his own children by encouraging them, by comforting them, and urging them to walk in a manner worthy of God. Teaching them to live in such a way that reflects the very character of God. As children of God, over time they will look more and more like Christ. Trusting him more. Loving God and loving people. So lesson three, share the gospel and share your life. Did you know, guys, that we have a discipleship program at this church? Two square. It's three books. If, 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 if this is something that you're wrestling with, this, this, this discipleship program would equip you to be prepared to not only share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but your very own soul. Church, before Jesus left this earth, he was standing in front of his disciples, and he said, all power and authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them all that I have commanded you. And know that I am with you. Now he says, behold. He says, behold, I am with you. Even to the end of the age. See, Jesus has given us his presence, his life, and he has given us purpose. To invite people into this ongoing 
slow-moving, full of love and trust relationship with their creator, with their savior, Jesus himself. See, this isn't about preaching on the street corner. This isn't, this isn't about, I'm going to wrap up and we're going to have an altar call and I want people to come down. It's not about that. It's about teaching someone all that Jesus had commanded them. It's by loving them, sharing the gospel of God in your very own soul, your grace-filled life. See, maybe you're, maybe you're saying, I can't do face-to-face. I can't meet with someone one-on-one, and I can't have this type of relationship where I'm pouring into someone. That's intimidating to me. Okay, well, can you do a small group? Can you meet with a group of people, two or three people? Can you pray for someone? Can you, can you read some scripture? Can you share what's going on in your life? If that's you, I want, I want you to call Pastor Brady this week and say, hey, Pastor Brady, I want to make disciples and I want to be in a small group. Get me plugged in. Maybe you're sitting here or you're watching online and, and you have never heard that God loves you and that he wants you to have a personal relationship with him. He wants you to not only be in a relationship with him, but we're in a relationship with, with each other where you're, able to, where you're able to receive his love and his grace and where you're able to share your life and where you can, you can have his, his peace and his hope. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. where you have the power, very power of God to turn away from your sin and turn away from your idols. May we all decide to make disciples. And who knows? We may learn to trust Jesus more than we ever did before. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. You are a good, good father. You are the type of dad who, who loves to give gifts. And we are, we are so grateful, we're so humbled that you have given us your son, Jesus. Jesus, it's because of who you are and what you have done, your finished work on the cross, that we are, that we are alive, that we have this new life. <laughs> God, we want your kingdom to come. We're so, we, we, we know that you didn't just save us to just take us straight to heaven. You left us here for a reason. So we can be conformed, so that we, we can grow to come and look just like you, Jesus. So we can go into this dark and broken world and share the good news of Jesus Christ. To be your hands and feet to teach someone all that you have commanded us. God, help us to trust that you are with us. Help us to trust in the very power of the gospel. Thank you for allowing me to declare it, and I pray that we continue to declare it today and every day of our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.